Today's scripture comes from Luke 12, verse 1 through 7. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to the disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you than that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very heads on the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. All right, what's well, probably a dumb question, but we got any Mr. Rogers fans out there? Uh, any from the, there we go, a lot of parents that were glad that was on when, when we were, yep, okay, good. Well, uh, many of you probably saw the, the movie uh, about Mr. Rogers recently, or maybe you've listened to a podcast or something like that, but uh, we've, we've all learned, if we didn't know, what a deep well of a person uh, Fred Rogers was. And I came across this interview that he did, and he, they were just talking about the television business. And this quote really stood out to me. He said, I'm very concerned that our society is much more concerned with information than wonder in noise rather than silence. And he just shook his head. He said, how do we encourage reflection in this business that we're in? Or we might say, how do we encourage this reflection in the church? And he then shook his head and you can just hear the Mr. Rogers tone. And he said, oh my, this is a noisy world. <laughs> this is a noisy world. And I just thought, you know, Mr. Rogers, you're right. This is a noisy world. Or if we reflect on today's text, we might say it's a rooftop world, right? It's an upstairs world. It's let's get to the highest place we can to have the biggest party to make the loudest noise and cause the most racket or post the most incendiary thing that we could. Let's get it high as we can and let's holler as loud as we can for as long as we can, and that's how we like to do things. We live in a rooftop world. And so Jesus is on the road. This, the things that are happening, and Jesus is upbraiding the Pharisees. He's getting on to people. He's going through this whole deal. And there's thousands of people that are flocking to Jesus for his teaching, for his way of being in the world, this possibility that God could have come to earth in human form and they're just they're marveling at what Jesus is doing and so this crowd of course gathers and Jesus being the great teacher and leader that he is he pulls his disciples aside 
in just in the midst of all the chaos. And he says, now, guys, y'all beware. Okay, when someone tells, when a good teacher tells you to beware, when one of your coaches or leaders tells you to beware, they mean, I want you to pay attention to something. And something that you might think is the norm. You know, you can imagine a coach telling his players, now, I want you to beware of something. I've been noticing something that's common among people your age. And I'm going to tell you, watch out for it. It won't take you where you think it will, and it won't get you where you need to go. So he says, beware. He says, I know that it seems normal. I know that you look around and you see this and you think it's the way to a good life and there's rewards and there's all the stuff. But he said, eventually the noise drowns itself out because the substance, the wonder, the faith and the hope and the love are nowhere to be found. Beware of the yeast. Very subtle. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, which is majoring in the minors, which is godlessness masquerading as holiness. Beware of the yeast of the rooftop leaders and their many words. When more attention is given to outside and appearance, what's inside gets smaller and smaller. And when what is inside gets small, when the heart is gone, we just disappear into the noise. We fade into the noise. And so Jesus said when this happens, we, we just become hard, hardly noticeable as a person and we become like unmarked graves. He told the Pharisees, people just walk over you all day long and, and they don't even know that there's a person there. They don't even know there's a body there. They just come and go. That's what happens to us when the noise takes over and we get small inside. So that's the bad news. That's the critique. That's the beware. Jesus says, y'all see this over here and I want you to know about it and beware because I have a better way for you to live. There's something better out there and I don't want you to forget it. And so he, he's been critiquing the Pharisees for all these small hearted things that they're doing. He's like, they're doing the outward appearance stuff, which they're supposed to do. And when he criticizes them, he says, you know, you've neglected the weighty things, the things that are heavy, like the love of God and justice. And he said, you should have been doing those other things anyways. Like give your 10%, do the stuff you need to do. That's fine. Don't stop doing that. You're supposed to do that also. But it's supposed to flow out of this deep well of love for God and love for neighbor. And so that's really where the, where the well is. And Jesus says the good news is there's a different way to live. Disciples, you don't have to be enamored by the loudness of the external stuff that you see that looks like it's all that's playing on all the channels. Beware, Jesus says, in order to live. And so we ask ourselves, what is the yeast of the Pharisees? What is, the, what is this mindset that Jesus is guarding us against? And of course, we know that it's subtle because of the metaphor. Uh, if you've ever baked bread or you've ever been around someone who's baking bread, you, under, you can kind of visualize this. You know what it's like and how yeast is like magic. And it's just a little bit and it's hidden and you never see it again until right the dough begins to rise and it transforms and then it makes the bread that we all uh, know and love. So that's how it works. It's like yeast. It's very subtle. It's this, it's this idea that what is on the outside and visible is most important, is paramount. It's betting, it's betting on the outside instead of the inside. Spending more time taking care of the outside than we do on the inside. The yeast of the Pharisees, Jesus says, is a, is a hypocrisy. It's a godlessness, but it's like, it's kind of like forgetting the fundamentals. 
You know, it's, uh, it's going straight to the show. It's like if you've ever worked with, with kids in sports or I'm sure any other activity, you know, we always want to do the, the fun thing that we saw Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan do. You know, we want to do, we want to shoot the fadeaway three. You get kids together, that's all they want to do. From the time we're little, right? You basketball players know this. We just, just give me the fadeaway three and I want to work on that during practice. Uh, but of course, we had to start way before that with all the fundamentals. And so when we forget and we neglect the fundamentals, uh, that's, that, this is what happens. And so uh, these guys, these Pharisees would have been great. They would have, their calendar would have been so full of appointments and bookings on 24-hour news channels. It would have been unbelievable. They would have hardly had time to be at the temple because they would have been on the news all the time because they had so much to say and they figured it out. They knew how to talk about it. They knew how to make it look good. They knew the right clothes to wear and the right parties to go to. They figured it all out. But there was this gaping hole inside of them, and that's what was missing. And so Jesus just reminds the disciples. He says, look, I'm going to tell you that what is inside will eventually be made manifest. It will come to light. It will come to light in life, in our life, and it will come to light long after we are gone what was really inside of us. So he says, don't, don't be fooled. Don't think that just what you see is what you get because the inside things will become manifest. The true nature of a person will not be hidden forever, right? The true nature, the constitution of a person will come to light, uh, especially during persecution. So Jesus turns and calls the, he says, this is an evil generation. You know, we always think every, every generation always looks around at our generation that says we're the most evil generation that's ever lived. But Jesus looked at that generation and said, this is an evil generation. And so you, if you live as salt and light in this generation, you will be persecuted. And it will seem sometimes like you're losing, like you're losing the battle, like you're losing the war. But Jesus says over time, the true character is going to show up. The true character of people, the true character of our institutions. You put a little pressure on us and you'll see what we're really made of. And we believe in the gospel, that that's a really good thing, that over time, the goodness of the gospel will outweigh the chaos and the darkness because there have been the little things that are forming, that are percolating, the, the presence of God that's bubbling in all of us, that's creating new life, that's transforming our dispositions, that we might be different people in the world. It's also kind of Jesus' way of giving them a little bit of an end-of-the-world reminder. You know, it's uh, the, the song that we sing, we call the Gloria Patri. Uh, Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Jesus said there's a world that is way beyond you guys. It began before you were ever created, and that world is full of life now, and that world will live on after this evil generation is gone world without end. And Jesus says, don't think for a minute that God will miss something that they think they're getting away with. So he's like, don't, don't think that it won't be taken care of. God doesn't miss anything. And on the flip side of that is don't think any tiny, tiny act of devotion, don't think any type of heart formation is ever insignificant. Don't think that that will ever go unnoticed in the judgment. At the end of all things, every tiny what we think is tiny, act of charity, will live forever. And that's what Jesus is trying to remind the disciples. It's hard to focus on the things that doesn't look, they don't look like they matter now, but Jesus said they will matter forever. So how can we heed this warning of Jesus? How can we beware? How can we live 
And what would Jesus say to us? You know, if Jesus says, we're all walking down the road together, what would Jesus say if he pulled us aside today? Just right here in Sweetwater, what would he say to us? I think a couple of things he might say, and hopefully you'll have things to add to this, maybe some clarification, uh, and we can share with one another. I think he would say, do not underappreciate your cries in the darkness. Now, there's that great line that he says that, that, that whatever you whisper in somebody's ear will later will be proclaimed from the housetops. That's, that's how you get the good stuff to the housetops. You whisper it in your friend's ear. Uh, the things that happen in the darkness, the tiny little cries and acts of service in the inner rooms, they will be broadened to a great, large perspective. That's how this works. So I think Jesus would say, don't underappreciate your cries in the dark. Sometimes there are cries in the dark that we come to the darkness and we know that we're bringing them and we're like full-on battle stance. You know, we enter the darkness and we've got our Bible and we're quoting our Psalms and we're, we're going straight in there and we know exactly what we're saying. And there's other times where it's all we can do to get there and we close the door and all we, all we have is tears, you know. And we don't even have words for those tears. But don't underappreciate those moments and those cries in the dark. Don't underappreciate your fears and your deep convictions that are poured out in the prayer rooms of our homes, of our congregations, of our pickups and our cars. These prayers that are poured out in the inner rooms take root. And they're like seeds, just seed after seed planted into the ground of our hearts where an abundance of goodness and truth can germinate. I think Jesus would say, learn to whisper forgiveness. Listen closely for words of forgiveness. Learn to whisper it to the people around you. Breathe, breathe it in. Take it in like air. Bet your life on it. Rehearse forgiveness with every sunset. Let it shape you and practice sharing it with others. Practice the love of God in simple, ordinary ways. Let patience join time to eternity in our families and friendships and greatest challenges. You know, Jesus bet his life on the power of whispers in the dark. The whisper of love that seemed muted by the cross, but it reached full rooftop proclamation in the resurrection of the Son of God. And a small band of followers who huddled together in inner rooms working out the resurrection life. We call ourselves the church. This is who we are. I would be remiss to not say that anytime I put words on paper or prepare to say words in the presence of God, in the presence of God's people, there's trepidation. There's a holy fear. There's a fear of God, a fear of saying empty words, or a fear of taking uh, the words of God and not proclaiming them with full weight. Preachers can be the worst at this, uh, many words and not saying anything. And so the work of the inner work, the cries in the dark, this is the work that we truly have before us. So this is the work that I want to be committed to. I want to be committed to the whispers, to the cries in the dark, that the things that people hear from the rooftops of the church are the tried and true things, the eternal things, the things that you can take to the bank any day of the week. So to help me with that this week, 
I've turned to my old friend, Wendell Berry. Uh, and he's not really my friend. I mean, he wouldn't call me a friend. I would call him a friend, but he doesn't know me. I met him one time, but he, he wouldn't remember me. Uh, but he's uh, in his 80s now. He's a farmer in Kentucky, a third generation farmer uh, near Louisville. And he spent his life farming and also riding. Uh, he he, he trained under the same person that uh, Larry McMurchie trained under, actually, so Wallace Stegner. He's written some beautiful novels about that time period, so you, you all enjoy Wendell Berry's novels, but he's a great poet. And Wendell Berry wrote a poem called How to Be a Poet, and it could just as easily be titled How to Be a Pastor or How to Be a Human. And so I want to read it to you. It's got a little length, but I want to read it to you. and just I think you'll appreciate the, the tone. This is How to Be a Poet, Wendell Berry. And he puts in parentheses to remind myself, right? As every great human does. Make a place to sit down. Sit down. Be quiet. You must depend upon affection, reading, knowledge, skill, more of each than you have, inspiration, work, growing older, patience, for patience joins time to eternity. Any readers who like your poems or your sermons or whatever, Doubt their judgment. Breathe with unconditioned breath the unconditioned air. Shun electric wire. Communicate slowly. Live a three-dimensioned life. Stay away from screens. Stay away from anything that obscures the place that it's in. There are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. Accept what comes from silence. Make the best of it you can. Of the little words that come out of the silence, like prayers prayed back to the one who prays, make a poem that does not disturb the silence from which it came. It's kind of hard to take the full weight of a poem that discourages us from being in air conditioning when it's 110 outside and we're all gathered nicely in. But I think you get the spirit of it, you know. I heard a story this morning of a grandfather walking a newborn child around in the early mornings, you know, letting him see the, the leaves on the trees and just take in everything. That's the stuff, you know, we, we know people that, that watch birds and spend their time, you know, beholding these kinds of things in nature. Uh, make a poem, make a life that doesn't disturb the silence from which it comes. Don't be afraid to cry in the darkness. Live a three-dimensioned life, right? Let it all, let all the cylinders be hitting at once. Uh, don't stop at a with a with a uh, what do we call it a governor on the engine. You know, take that thing off and let's let's let it run. All all three dimensions of the human life. Uh, may we uh, be the the people who who heed Jesus' warning in order to live a full life for the sake of the gospel. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.